Keeper Chat. My name is Fauna. And my name is Flora. And this is a weekly podcast where we chat about animals. We're real-life zookeepers who love animals. Each week we'll be discussing a new animal and learning more about them. As always, nothing we say reflects our organizations, and all thoughts and opinions are our own. So with that, let's get grimy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Uh. Okay, so we recorded one episode, mm-hmm. and we got some feedback. They said... It's bad, you're dumb, <laughs> the name sucks, and, like, get that Instagram. So we we did all those things, except for the first huh. two that I said that were bad. We're just going to keep doing the same thing. But right. we changed the name, so we're Keeper yes. Chat now. Yeah. Which is kind of an inside, like, zookeeper joke, I guess, because, like, most people don't know that we refer to, like, every conversation we have with a human as a Keeper Chat, <laughs> but we do. Right, yes. <laughs> so we changed the name, so... um. I made us an Instagram. It is keeper underscore chat. And we're going to do like we said, we're going to put pictures and put like funny stuff that relates to the episode on that Instagram. And I also made a Gmail account, which is just cheaper. Oh my God. Keeper chat at gmail.com with no underscore. It's just the words. In case people have questions or comments or I don't know, they can send us hate mail. I'll read it. I won't probably oh, yeah, respond. I'll read it too. Because we love angry, bitter people. Like, I feed off of that. So yeah, you can send us that. That's my fuel. <laughs> Is that all I was going to say? I think so. Yeah, thank you to everyone that listened so far. Like we kind of said in the end of the last episode, we don't really care if anyone listens, but <laughs> anyone that does, that's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, like, um, mad props to you for, like, yeah, sticking through Yeah, no, it. we really do appreciate it. And we appreciate all the feedback that we've heard so far. It's really helpful. It's kind of our first time doing this, but... You know, as we mentioned before, we're just in it to, like, have a good time, chat with each other. We miss each other. So it's a good opportunity to just be, like, the big dweebos that we are. Yes. And, yes, yes, you yes. know, we really appreciate, like I said, everyone that listens. So thank you. And we hope that you continue. Yeah. So, Fauna, how has yeah. work been this week? How are you hanging in there? Uh, it's going pretty well. I have one story that comes immediately to mind. (laughs) Shoot. And since we're kind of starting with this new format for this show, and by new format I mean our second episode format, (laughs) I guess, as brand new, let me just preface this by saying generally each week we're going to check in with each other, and uh, for the most part, uh, we have the most ridiculous things happen to us in and around work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's a very common misconception that, you know, if you're a zookeeper, the majority of your time is spent doing things like playing with animals, feeding uh, animals, no, um, kind of stuff like that. Whereas the majority of my day is spent doing ridiculous things or injuring myself in ridiculous ways. Absolutely. Injury, uh, I'm, we're experts at getting hurt. <laughs> yes, it's sort of... It's just ridiculous. So anyways, with that, I wanted to kind of give you an anecdote into, or an anecdote of what happened this week. I was tossing out some fruit. I went to throw a tomato, and keep in mind, this is a bucket of tomatoes, so I'm like probably 20 tomatoes in at this point, point. and I'm throwing these tomatoes. It's a lot of tomatoes. It's a lot of tomatoes. And I pick up one, and it was softer than I expected, which is cool. Like, you do you. However, when I went to throw it, because I it was covered in all the, like, blueblyliness of all the other tomatoes it was so slippery and 
It essentially just flung out of my hand, like rocket launched itself at like maximum velocity out of my hand in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, did not land where I intended it to. Came up extremely short, but it was just soft and juicy enough to bloop its juices and seeds all over my face and shoulders, <laughs> which also immediately stuck themselves to my body and would not come off. And so how just, many people, like, watched and observed this? I would say at least 35. That's what it is. They're always fucking watching. They're always there. They're always uh, So I just became this horrible slime monster, and <laughs> everyone saw it. All the animals I work with saw it. I know they judged me. Absolutely. Um, I It just became one of those things where even if I wanted to remove the evidence of my failure, <laughs> I couldn't. They yes. were a part of my skin. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my week. That's good. How was your week? Well, I, I I should preface this. So the last episode we did, we were both like stone cold sober. That's just how dumb we are in general. I will say that today was the pits and that my dinner is a margarita. So <laughs> this episode <laughs> might be wild. Today was whack. We started the day with a <laughs> drill. Both Fauna and I work at zoos who are accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. So we have a lot of rules and regulations that we follow, one of which is yearly drills, um, whether it be like an escaped animal drill or an injured uh, visitor or a natural disaster drill. We always are practicing for like worst case scenario. So we had, and these are surprise uh, drills. So we had a drill this morning because I had time for that. And it was an injured visitor. They had fallen into the bear yard, which is like a giant like pit moat. Yeah. And so we have, we are, we are like new little fun thing that we have are these ladders that like explode into like huge links and we can drop them into the bear yard. And we had learned how to use them, but we had never like practiced the drill with them. So that was like what today was. So they call the drill. And of course we're pretending like it's real. It's not like we don't pretend it's a drill at all. So we're, I'm sprinting to the bear yard. I like open the escape cabinet, like grab the ladder and I like, We unroll it and it's all ready to go. And like the quote unquote visitor who was like one of the keepers was playing. The visitor was like, legs were broken, like whatever. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, it was extreme. But the first like step was I had to climb the secondary barrier to like get close enough to put the ladder in the exhibit. And so in doing so, I (laughs) climbed this little fence line and immediately shoved a like half <laughs> stick of bamboo up my groin and rip my pants <laughs> so like i just want everyone to know the sacrifices that we make to fucking save their lives when they fall into the bear yard i ripped my goddamn pants and got a sh- fucking shard of bamboo like inside of myself so you're fucking welcome <laughs> And the worst part of all of this is that, okay, zookeepers, we don't make a lot of money. I don't know if anybody knows that. We make fucking pennies and peanuts. And I'm not buying work pants. It's the end of the season. It's about to be summer. So they're just going to last until it's short season. And I'm just going to duct tape it and rock and roll. Oh, and you didn't even save anyone. (laughs) No, it was a fucking drill. But but I'm, like, so glad. So, like, we have, like, an after-drill meeting where we talk about it. Like, did it go well? Did it go bad? And then when our new director was like, hey, you know, I saw you manhandle that ladder. It was awesome. And then later he was like, everything go okay? And I was like, yeah, it went great. Rip my pants. (laughs) 
couldn't have gone more smoothly. Yes. So that was my motherfucking morning. Hello. <laughs> First thing that happens. Groin yourself. <laughs> That's a wake-up call. <laughs> it's a fucking wake-up call. Holy God. Okay, well, yeah. Damn. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm recovering. No problem. This mark is healing me, body and soul. Good. Sometimes it's what you need. Exactly. All right. Let's get into the right. fucking yeah. animal shit. Flora, Flora, are you ready <sighs> for the animal of the week? Yes. All right. I'm going off your blunder from last week where you, <laughs> like a fool, said that your animal, the aardvark, started with the first letter of the internet. Uh, so... My animal of the week starts with the second letter of the internet. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> Do you want to take any guesses first? You get one. Oh my god! I was going to and now I'm like sweating because you narrowed <laughs> it down so much. I erase the stakes. So my guess is... Uh, bongo. Oh, no. Damn it's it. a great animal though. This animal of the week... I decided to go in a slippery, slithery direction. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm so excited. I went with a dun dun dun, dun boa constrictor. Yes! Yes. Ah, uh, so, so good. are you familiar? Uh, well, of course you're familiar, but are you that familiar with boa constrictors? Have you ever worked with them? You know, snakes all look the same to me. Cool. So <laughs> I'm gonna say I actually did work with one. She was quite large. But she has since passed. Sure. Uh, okay. So, you know, and she was not my primary. I was uh, a helper in that section. So. Got it. Definitely okay. not a snake boa constrictor expert. But I love this. I love that you went reptile. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, kind of forget that reptiles are out there. They do. And yeah, I'd, I'd like to raise the awareness a little bit on our scaly, slimy friends. So uh, we're going to start kind of from square one since you said you don't know too much about them. Yeah. The first cool fact that I have right off the bat. So the scientific name of boa constrictor is boa constrictor. Shut and, up. Yeah. And the common name is also boa constrictor. <laughs> So any of you out there that weren't aware, every species has a scientific name as well as a common name. So the common name is whatever you call them kind of in your day-to-day life. So take, for instance, orangutan. You would call them an orangutan. Their scientific name, however, is Pongo pygmaeus, which it a lot of times it's in Latin, and it's usually just the classification term that's used for them in a scientific community. I actually feel like, though, that... I just feel like people say orangutan though, because that goddamn orange drink. They think there's oh, a G on it. Oh, and yes. can we talk about pet yes. peeves? Anyway, I don't. I don't want to derail this too much, but everyone <laughs> drop the goddamn G at Stop the end. Stop it! It's not there. Or I, lose, or I lose my damn mind. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, you wouldn't go around calling an orangutan pongo pygmaeus, or you would. I mean, that'd be tight you'd be but such a douche like don't the do common that. name is yeah the common name is generally what most people refer to it as so this is one of the unique instances where the scientific name is the same as the common name which just means there's a lot less uh, what am i what the like, hell am i trying to say there's a Confusion? lot less latin involved that's also for one that thing. yeah speaking of latin though the name boa constrictor in latin means a large serpent shut so, up kudos to those latin speakers they got that right oh, yikes 
I know uh, last time we talked about a couple things. Flora in particular talked about kingdom phylum class order family genus species. And I, I, I did a little fact checking on that and you were absolutely correct on Hell, that order. Yes. Uh, a lot of times too, a lot of people in front of kingdom will include the wider classification of domain as well. So domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. And you were also right about the mnemonic device. Uh. So the one that I found... Uh, most frequently on the interwebs was Dear King Philip came over from Great Spain or <laughs> Dear King Philip came over for good soup. <laughs> oh, that is it. He came for that soup. Yeah, he was there for that soup. That boy uh, hungry. So I don't know if that helps you, if it helps anyone remember. Cool. What a redonkulous thing to say. I know. I thought at some point, like, we could ask for suggestions for other acronyms yeah we can come up with better shit than that come on that's a little dear king philip centric in my opinion yeah but anyways that being said boa constrictors fall within the class reptile Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i think people are pretty common with that terminology uh there are currently at least nine subspecies although there is a little debate on that and most often those subspecies are distinguished by their range so where they live in the wild um, there are a few kind of physical changes between the subspecies, but for this animal in particular, they're distinguished by their range. Okay. So the areas in the world that they do live are in generally Central and South America. They're kind of found all over in that area. So they primarily stick to forests that they can be found in grasslands, semi-deserts. But these guys, you know them, they want to be part of the action. They hang in and around human settle- mm-hmm, settlements mm-hmm. and agricultural areas. For sure. And the reason being that there tend to be an increased likelihood of pests present, so rodents, opossums, small mammals, that they like to eat. So if you hang out near those humans, the pests will follow. And so, yeah, it ends up being a really good situation for them because they get to essentially just hang out and feed off of all of the vermin. Amazing. (laughs) A lot of times they'll spend a good majority of their time in or along streams or rivers in those aforementioned habitats. And they're actually very good swimmers, but they yes. prefer to spend their time on land. In addition to that, they are semi-arboreal, <sighs> uh, which if anyone is unaware, arboreal is a term that means hanging out in the trees. So semi-arboreal means they spend some of their time in the trees. And So literally, uh, they're like yeah. land, water, tree. Like you cannot escape me. Exactly. I like guess I'm if you gonna took get flight... You. Yeah, but, I mean, how many of us can take flight? Uh, you could fall out a... of the tree, and I feel like that <laughs> counts true. as flight. He's coming well, for you. Well, and that'd be terrifying, because my next point is... oh Okay, so, bow constrictors, like, probably the image in your head is, like, a real big snake, right? Absolutely it is. Yes. A big, big so, boy. So, these guys can grow up to 13 feet long. God! And they can weigh anywhere between around 60 pounds to 100 pounds. God! Yeah, the largest boa on record was 18 feet. Can you believe that? No! 18 feet? That's, that's like... That's a, that's a lot. Like three of me. <laughs> right? And height. Oh! Uh-oh. Giving out too many facts. <laughs> Uh-oh. Gonna be able Google to search. They're adding this to their search. Looks yeah, like right? Aardvark is at least <laughs> the three anaconda. Or shit, Bogue structure. Oh! No, that's a good point. I'm glad you actually brought up anaconda because that was one of my uh, points here. There's a lot of kind of misconceptions surrounding snakes, and that is one of them. So, interestingly enough, anacondas are a type of boa, but a lot of times, and I didn't know this before I looked this up, but a lot of times, 
people get boas and pythons confused. Do you know the difference between them? Because I did not. No, but here's the wonky thing. That we had a boa constrictor at our zoo, and the Mm -hmm. sign said it was a rock python. Oh, no! (laughs) But, like, we were all like, this ain't dat. But I don't know why we knew it wasn't that, but you, you, so you tell me. Okay, so there are a couple of main differences. Boas and pythons are both constrictors, meaning that they fall within the same classification of squeezing uh, your fucking brains out. Yeah, they, the snakes that asphyxiate their food. So they squeeze it, they wrap it up, squeeze it until it suffocates, and then they eat it. So that's a type of constrictor. And boas and pythons tend to look very similar. They have a lot of physiological traits that are very similar to one another. However, you ready for all these differences? Yes, hit me. Pythons have one more bone in their head and like a few more teeth. What? <laughs> what the fuck? I couldn't get an exact number. <laughs> That's what I found. He's got my um, bones. Yeah, interestingly, too, pythons are generally found in Asia, Africa, and Australia. And when an animal is usually found in those areas, they're collectively classified as old world. So if you've ever heard of, like, old world primates versus new world primates. Like, that's kind of the same, I think, like, the same thing. Who knows? So they're technically classified as old world, those pythons are. In addition to that, pythons, when they reproduce, lay eggs. So yeah, they lay those eggs, and then the baby snakes hatch out of the eggs once they're, like, out and, you know, incubated. Boas, on the other hand, are classified as new world. So instead of being found in Asia, Africa, and Australia, they're actually found in North, Central, and South America. So they're mm. kind of the other hemisphere. Yeah. And instead of giving, like, instead of laying eggs and no. having those hatch, no. they give Live birth. No! So they give birth to live snakes. Yeah. Can I throw can, can I throw the word out? Yes. Viviparous? Yeah. Ah. So good. I don't know if that's uh, how you say it, but that's how it's fucking spelled. <laughs> it's phonetically on point. Ugh. Yeah, so they, they give birth to live snakes, boas do. So, I love that um, shit. Baby snakes yeah. are cute as fuck. I don't they care sure what anybody are. says. Well, they slip right out, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, that is like the perfect shape to give birth to. Yeah, Snakes, no, that's ideal. They know what they're doing. No, they figured it out. Yeah, so uh, females incubate their eggs internally. Yes. And their gestation period is anywhere between like five to eight months, depending on like their conditions that they're living and the amount of food they have and stuff like that. When they do finally give birth, They get about 20 to 30 slippery little fools flinging themselves out of them. And they can birth up to 60 live snakes. Six zero. I'm sorry. Uh, Pardon? Did you say 60? (laughs) Then her entire inside is baby snake. Yeah, it's a good good portion. She essentially turns herself inside out. (laughs) Yeah. Alarmed. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm alarmed by that. So the babies, when they're born, are anywhere between around one foot to two feet long. And then they obviously grow as they grow up. <laughs> that is <laughs> stupid. Do they? <laughs> I'm an expert. Upon birth, they are completely independent, the babies are. And they have this, like, amazing, cool snake sense, like, built-in knowledge of how to hunt and how to hide from predators, just, like, fresh out the womb. Jesus. Yeah, because mom's you know. like... I birthed you, bye. <laughs> yeah, you took my soul. See ya. Bye-bye. Uh, 
Let's see. I don't know. I took a lot of notes here because these things are amazing. So I have to wait. I have to interrupt you because I literally texted my other keeper and was like, was that fucking snake a boa constrictor? (laughs) And I have been corrected. It was a rock python. But I just don't fucking believe that. Did you look for the extra bone in their skull? You know, a few extra teeth. I asked her, I said, do you have more bones than you're supposed to? And she didn't answer. <laughs> oh. So yes. who fucking knows anymore? Jerry's still out on that one. I'm going to pretend for this episode that she was a goddamn boa constrictor because... Uh-oh. Because <laughs> then I actually have something to fucking contribute. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so boas are carnivorous, meaning that they their diet consists of other animals. Um, kind of keep in your mind how big these guys are <laughs> and big boys they're pretty they're pretty big yeah they're big old boys they eat just about anything that they can catch if you keep in mind that they can be up to 13 feet in length and 100 pounds they can catch a lot they eat a lot of birds rodents uh primates wild pigs other small mammals uh and they actually capture the prey through ambush hunting so instead of slithering around stalking something down and attacking it they kind of just lay like lie and wait and okay. wait for something to walk by. Yeah. Which is my preferred <laughs> foraging source as well. Yeah. I feel like they are not very fast when you're moving like three humans amount of length. Yeah. They actually on average move at one mile an hour. So, <laughs> Fucking slow ass snake. That's also my speed though. A that's single, a single mile an hour. What's your top speed? A, a single mile. <laughs> an hour. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they, they ambush hunt, and then once they do, they latch on to whatever they're sitting there waiting for. Then they take their coils of the rest of their long-ass body, and they kind of wrap themselves around it, and then um, sit there, and they hold it in their mouth, and they have a special kind of teeth that, like, point backwards into their mouth to ensure that things can't leave the mouth once they enter. Which is pretty cool. They're kind of like small hook-shaped teeth. Wait. And, yeah, go ahead. I'm hearing weird noises. Oh, that's my cat snoring. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking Tucker. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like a goddamn, like, motorboat. What the hell? He snores real loud. I was hoping no one could hear it. I can't hear it. I am so ashamed. I'm so sorry for the digression. (laughs) Can I also say, because I'm, you know, we're all about real life facts. Facts. Oh, I'm all about that real life facts. Okay, so um, just for the the non-zookeepers who, like, don't even know, there's a database of all the animals that we have in captivity, sort of. Not all zoos use it. A lot of them do. And it's the Zoological Information Management System, also known as ZIMS. It mm-hmm. used to be called ISIS, and then that ISIS things happened, and then we had to change that. Anyway, yes. I looked up yeah. this snake that I used to work with, and she's a Burmese python. So I'm Whoa. like zero for zero, dude. Like, I'm just doing real bad. So ignore everything I've ever said. Oh. I have never worked with a bow constrictor. That's okay. It does uh... also start with the second letter of the internet, though. So I feel like... 
Maybe I get, like, one point at least. Yeah, no, you have, um, I think right now you're tallying at negative 99. You you had the one, but you got negative 100 for never working with it, so you got got some ground to make up. I'm going to go back to the way that they kill. Oh, yes. (laughs) Cool. Like, go back before I So, yeah, they're ambushed. They're sitting in their hole. They're thinking, hmm, love a nice snack right now. What comes scurrying by? A little rat. That rat's like, I'm having a good day. Nothing's going to bring me down. And that snake's like, you, you bet. And he chomps him. <laughs> and then he sits there <laughs> and he wraps around him and he squeezes him and he holds him in place with those kind of backward facing hook teeth in the mouth uh, so he can't like get away. And he squeezes him until he suffocates. And then our good friend the boa swallows him whole. Shit. They don't chew at all. So they swallow them whole, and then the entire organism is dissolved in the stomach acid. See, the thing that, like, drives me crazy about snakes is that they are a muscle. Like, yeah, their they're one entire big muscle. goddamn body is yeah. meant to, like, fucking move, do what it wants, and just eat shit. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. They can kind of uh, extend their jaws to fit whatever prey they're trying to swallow. So yes. That's mind-boggling I mean, and, like, me. I'm so jealous. Like, you know those, like, burgers that you go to and it's like, we made this really hip burger and it's, like, so big you can't even eat it? Like, thanks yes. for your giant patty. But if we can were all snakes and could unhinge <laughs> our jaws, I could enjoy burgers better. I feel like a baby. I have to cut it with, like, a fork and knife. <laughs> just sit there and eat it like a little baby like a would. stupid baby. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting down for your, like, weekly Chipotle? And you're just like, boy, am I ready. And you sit there and you just crack your jaw open and swallow it whole. And you deep throat the biggest burrito. That's so satisfying. And just like us, after a large meal, boas don't need to eat again for several weeks. Shit. So they can just hang out and do their own thing, do whatever they want to do, probably digest for a majority of that time is what I'm going to assume. And then, yeah, they're good to go. Whoa. What a life. I love yeah. eating too much. I don't think I could put it off for like a whole week. Have you tried eating a whole wild pig? <laughs> you know, I have, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Get on that level. Uh, so boas tend to live a solitary lifestyle they only come together if they're sick. breeding oh same yeah i know right? <laughs> the only time i have human contact is when i'm ordering my weekly chipotle <laughs> not sponsored yeah oh yeah boas are nocturnal so they spend most of their time hanging oh. out and being awake at night but they're also what's known as crepuscular have you heard of that before yes my dude Okay, why don't you take it away then? Crepuscular means they're active at dawn and dusk. Yes, it's uh, a really cool uh, wor- uh, uh. word that means that. So it kind of falls in line with the nocturnal sense in that they're most active at night, but it also includes kind of dusk and dawn. Now, that's not to say you won't see them during the day, especially in the cooler months. They'll mm-hmm. a lot of times come out and bask in the sun to warm themselves up, but who doesn't? <laughs> yes. They got to get their tan on. What? <laughs> Beach bod. Uh... <laughs> Like, just like a beach tube. <laughs> I They're like eyeing one of those pool noodles. Like, uh, I wanna, I wanna get that beach bod. Cute. Are you ready for some cool facts about boas? Yes, all of these facts have been cool. Ah, I'm so excited. Okay, <laughs> we're, buckle up. We're about to get into it. I'm strapped in. Number one, 
Boas have what's known as pelvic spurs, Fuck. which are essentially remnants of hind legs. Yes! So snakes don't have legs, boas have these pelvic spurs, which are sort of like ancestral remnants. So these exist on either side of their cloaca. <gasps> Shut up. You said the C word. It's <laughs> the perfect location. Typically only the males use them. They use them in mating and courtship. And so Oh, so they're not that, even they... like straight up vestigial, which is a word I'll throw out, which means like yeah. fucking useless. <laughs> yeah. Old and used useless. Used to be around. Just old and useless. <laughs> but they're like using those. They are, yeah. So they tend to be more pronounced in males because they actually use them. But yeah, that's crazy. That is. Uh, going on this male train here. Males have what's known as a hemi peeny. They sure do. <laughs> they sure do. You do. Know, do you know what that is? Their dick got two heads, <laughs> right? Pretty much. Yep, it's a double penis. Uh, one side is generally used in mating, so they're not both just like shooting out. Okay. Pew. Yeah. So wait, what's uh, the other side for? Like fucking fun? <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you want it to be, man. Like party in the back, business in the front. <laughs> It's the mullet uh, of dicks? I guess. I guess. I believe it. Maybe it's just like constantly whirling or like Maybe pooping. It's because what, it, like, what if one side stops working? You have a backup. I mean, I feel like you'd have to ask a snake. That seems personal. That's so true. They're not. They don't I kiss and tell, and I appreciate that. You have yeah, to respect yeah. that. Yeah. I believe all snakes do this. I'm going to go ahead and say all snakes do this. All snakes shed their skin. Oh, for uh, kind sure. Of intermittently throughout their life. And the reason they do this is because their scales on their body tend to be, they're flexible to a certain extent, but they're pretty rigid as far as expansion goes. So as they continually grow up, they, if they were, if they weren't to shed their skin, they would just be the same size all the time, right? Because they right. wouldn't be able to expand. So the shedding process is part of what allows them to continually grow in length and girth and size and stuff. And it also prevents their scales from getting too worn. So it's Ooh. sort of like, I don't know, I feel like if I had the opportunity to shed my skin, as horrific as that sight would be, yeah. you know I'd do it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And just leave that bad boy lying around. I know. Oh, yeah. You get rid of these freckles and stuff. Just grow a oh. new one. I just feel like if <laughs> imagine you're like getting up in the middle of the night, get a glass of water. It's like two in the morning, and uh, you trip over your own skin, and it makes a horrible <laughs> crunching like, sound. Oh, that's there. Whoops! Left my skin out again. Whoops! A doozy. Tucky. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I you hear him. that? I heard him. He's getting ready to start snoring Are again. Are we that I boring just... that we like made your cat go to sleep? <laughs> I mean, he has their entire home to sleep in. I don't know why he's choosing my knee. Um, okay, well, I'll just keep waking him up. Is that me? <laughs> I don't know. He deserves it. We're working right now. This is our new job, and he needs to respect that. <laughs> he loves nature. Okay, we're going to keep going here. So, yes, yes, um, yes. I'm going to probably butcher this word. Do it. And I'll probably never live it down. But boas have strong vomeronasal senses. Oh, yeah, my dude. Vomeronasal. Okay. You got it. Generally, and I'm sure you've all seen this, like when snakes are slithering around, they're always flicking their little tongues out, right? Yeah. You're wondering why they're doing that? So they flick their tongues out, and the reason that they do that is they're collecting odor molecules in the air, and then when they bring their tongue back in their mouth, those molecules that they've collected come in contact with the this, this organ on the roof of their mouth. So it's a chemosensory organ, meaning that it sort of like 
interacts with and detects chemicals, which are odor molecules. So when they bring those molecules back in their mouth and they kind of bring them up to that organ, they're able to kind of understand their environment and like get a good idea of their surroundings. So they sort of constantly sense these chemical cues around them and it informs how they interact with their environment, which is crazy cool. That's so cool. On top of that, they can sense vibrations in the ground as well as sound vibrations in the air with the use of the damn jawbones. I just feel like every other animal other than humans, because by the way, in case you didn't know, an- humans are animals, they're better than us, <laughs> right? Are they? Yeah, they're like very well adapted to their niche. And then on top of this, on top of all of that, boas also have pretty good vision. Like they can see pretty well. Dope. But their vision also expe- extends into the ultraviolet spectrum. Shit. I know. So they're just like seeing the spirits that we cannot see. Yeah. They're flicking their little tongues out, sniffing stuff. They're feeling stuff. They're seeing into the ethereal plane. They're on a whole new level, man. They We're are. down here on ground level. They're up in, you know, fucking space time. <laughs> Seriously. I feel like threatened, personally threatened by how like yeah. cool they are. Yeah, they're real cool. I'm a big fan. So... I'm trying to think. I just have, like, so many notes because I went buck wild learning about these damn snakes. Well, and, like, this They're is our so first cool. reptile. So I feel like there's so much, like, we can get into, like, thermoregulation and, yeah. like, that's the only thing I can think of. Oh. <laughs> cool. Yeah, let's get right into it. No, one thing I did really want to talk about, uh, two things, actually, concerning snakes. First and foremost, venomous versus poisonous. Yes. Let's just get this out. Okay. Boas are non-venomous. Correct. So you don't really have to worry about it there. They do the not need of- anything to, like, squeeze you to death. They don't need the help exactly. of anything. Their body's got it down. Yeah, they're they're one big bicep ready to kill. <laughs> so the only time a boa will ever uh, not even attack you, I guess, strike at you, would be for one of three situations. If you're trying to kill it, which I feel like is understandable, right? I would do the same thing. Like, you come up to me and you take a bat to my forehead. I'm probably going to be like, whoa, homie. Yeah. Can we cool it a Stop little bit? Kind of on my way to Chipotle for my burrito. <laughs> Chipotle. Uh, second, if you're taunting them in any way, which, again, I feel like I can relate. If you're sitting there and you're like, hey, bozo, isn't this your second burrito of the week? I'd be like, damn, homie. Can you let me live my life? This is all I have. Uh, And then third, if you surprise them, which again is, it makes sense. So if you're trying to kill them, if you're making fun of them, or if you surprise them, they're probably going to attack you. Yes. Uh, So just mind your own business. Leave them alone. They're not going to hurt you. They're just trying to live their good little snake life. Exactly. So kind of on top of that, boas don't have the elongated fangs that I think a lot of us think of when it comes to snakes. Like you think of them like striking and having these big fangs. Yeah, like needle teeth. And you with stuff. Yeah. Boas don't have those. And a lot of times venomous snakes do. So this brings me to my point that I really want to talk about is venomous versus poisonous. Yes. Most snakes in the world today either fall into the category of being venomous or non-venomous. Yes. Uh, And I actually found, like, a really good explanation of the difference between poisonous and venomous. So, hold on, let me find it. it. I had a good thing I said. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, now we're just sitting here waiting. This is so good. God. A lot of times venomous snakes are said to be poisonous. However... 
poison and venom are not the same thing. So what dictates whether, like, what kind of snake they are depends on what's what kind of method or like mode of attack that they use boas are considered constrictors which are non-venomous animals so if you think like they're not using venom to kill their prey but rather wrapping them up and squeezing them to death Mm -hmm, that makes mm -hmm, sense mm -hmm. right yes so poisons must be ingested inhaled or absorbed so generally you have to like be in an area where it's aerosolized you have to eat it or you have to like touch something and it absorbs your skin like eating a poison mushroom Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect example. Uh, On the other hand, venom has to be injected into the body by a mechanical means. So venomous snakes are using their fangs to inject venom into their victims. So that's the reason that they're not considered poisonous. Yes. Uh, They're considered venomous. So I think a lot of people think that poisonous snakes are the ones that are going to bite you and inject their venom, so yeah. to speak, into your body, but those are actually known as venomous snakes. Yes. Um, that's I, not to say that there aren't poisonous snakes out there, but they're that. not what you're thinking. And there are, like, so many fewer than there are venomous snakes that a lot of times if you're thinking of, like, uh, a cobra, a rattlesnake, like, any of those really famous ones, like mambas, things like that, those are venomous snakes. Yes. You're thinking of a venomous snake. I literally um, think there's, like, one poisonous venomous snake. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a combo. Yes. Just food for thought. Keep that in mind. The terms are different, and it matters. It does, because it, it, I mean, it has a good reason for having that name. We're not just being a bunch of dweebos and, like, trying to ruin your fun. Like, yes, that was one thing I really wanted to talk about. So boas fall in the non-venomous category, and they just got their little teeth, and they're just going to hold on to you until you don't breathe anymore. They're just going to hug you, because they just hug, they just hug, and they love. Oh, and they so just right. love till you die, and then they're like, God, I love you so much, I want you inside of me. And then they eat you whole. I can relate. Same. And then beyond that, snakes in general, uh, but boas in particular, play a really valuable role in our ecosystem. For sure. So they uh, predate on, like I said, birds, small mammals, including bats, uh, including rodents, including opossums. And they're really, really important predators of those specific subsets like rodents and opossums. Now, considering the fact that they exist a lot of times in habitats that are near to where humans live or in agricultural areas, uh, this is especially important because, as we all know, rodents and opossums tend to be pests in human society. So yes. they tend to be something that we're trying to get rid of. They and if we have too many of disease, them, dude. Yeah, that can exactly. transfer you have too to many you of them. and your children. Does a yep. snake do that? No. Yep. Exactly, and those snakes are there to eat those animals. So um, one interesting thing I found was in South America, it's not uncommon for people to bring boas into their home to help address a pest problem. Hey, that's dope. So it's sort of like a natural remedy to pest problems, which is super, super cool. But then beyond that, I know a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of snakes, right? Like, it's something that a lot of people are really scared of. Yeah. They're really, really misunderstood. Yeah, Um, that's what I was going to say, is like misunderstanding or just like not knowing which I guess is the same shit. Misunderstanding. Uh, is that word? Well, no, the same? I think like I think like misunderstanding means you have an idea of what happens, but you just have the wrong interpretation. Right. Whereas if you're just ignorant of something, like you don't know it at true all. That, true like that. you've just okay. never been exposed to it. So I think there's there's probably a combination there in the sense that, you know, a lot of people are scared of snakes. They're worried that if they see a snake, they should kill it right away. But please don't go killing snakes. They really serve a really important purpose in their ecosystem. And like I said, most snakes, like I would bargain that 
just about every snake out there isn't going to leave its area to come attack you unless no. it's provoked. And here's and, the thing, right? Like, yeah, especially where we're living in the United States, if you come across a snake and you're scared of it, you are fucking giant. It is yeah. so scared of you, you giant, giant ugly, fleshy <laughs> motherfucker. Like, leave it alone. And you probably stink so bad. Yes. It uses its vomeral nose, like, nasal organ to, like, smell you, and you smell like shit. And yeah. you're hairy, and it hates you. So leave it alone, and it will leave you alone. Yeah. Easy exactly. fucking peasy. Exactly. And uh, I know, like I said, a lot of people tend to defer to the idea of, like, if they see a snake, get a shovel and kill it. But please don't do that. They serve an important role, and in a lot of areas, at least in the United States, if there is a snake on your property or near your home or whatever, like, you know, any near any, like, public areas and you're really concerned about it being a hazard, a lot of times you can call your local fish and game department and they'll some send someone out to relocate the snake yeah, to an appropriate for sure. place. Even if so, you, like, don't know that number, a lot of times the zoo, like, at here at the zoo, we have yeah. every phone number ever, like, rescue, rehab, fish and game. So if you call your zoo and you're just like, this is what's up, even if they cannot physically help you, which a lot of time we can't, um, they can direct you to the right place. Yeah. It's a really good alternative to just killing this animal that's done nothing. pretty much just helping you out. Yeah, yes, and living nothing. their lives and has done nothing. Are you going to talk about Florida at all? <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, I can. Do you want to talk about Florida? <laughs> I want to talk about Florida. Okay, why don't you go for it? So... Boa constrictors are really popular in the pet trade. You probably see them in tiny little tanks, and there's the little babies at the pet store. It's a pretty big misconception. I think that snakes only grow to the size of the tank you keep them in. I don't think that's real life. They will fucking grow no matter what. So a lot of grow till they can't grow no more. Yeah. And then you're going to be like... I guess... Wait, hold on. I guess you could say that about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Shit gonna grow. Okay. Okay. Um, So people are like, hey, this like seven inch snake is adorable. I'm going to buy it. And then they're like, hey, remember when we said that it gets like super duper big? (laughs) So uh, they release them into the Florida Everglades. (laughs) Like, hashtag why. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Hashtag, no, don't do that. But they do super well there. So, like, there's a lot of boa constrictors, um, Burmese pythons, like, all kinds of stuff living in Florida because they're, like, flourishing. So they're literally an invasive species, which is a species that does not belong. They have been introduced, whether by um, human intervention, I guess, or even, well, no, I think it's always human intervention, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Sometimes they're, like, freak weather events that can yeah. them somewhere. Or but... if, like, we've destroyed yeah. their shit and they they had to move. Um, yeah. And they're, like, doing really well in the Florida Evergrade, Everglades, but that's bad because those animals did not adapt to a niche that had a crazy huge snake that's going to constrict them to <laughs> Just death. Just, like, gobble them. <laughs> yeah, so they're not doing great. They're living so in snake hell. maybe stop fucking releasing snakes into the wild just like willy-nilly yeah. if you do that like stop i don't know what else yeah. to say about that no you you nailed it just hit the hammer right on the head fauna yeah can i ask you a question yeah please do what is the conservation situation 
Oh my god, I was hoping it would be that question. <laughs> uh, where do I start? Okay, so you talked a little bit about the issues with them being an invasive species in Florida. Yeah. However, it's tricky. So there are, like I said, around nine subspecies that have been identified so far, um, between like nine and ten. I think there are like differing sources there. But because they have such a wide range and they're present in North, Central, and South America, Damn. it's kind of hard to determine what their endangered status is. So according to the IUCN Red List, which we talked about in the last episode, yes. boas are classified as status unknown. What? <laughs> so it's kind of hard, again, to evaluate <laughs> them fully. Now, that being said, they're generally secondarily classified as least concern. Okay, okay. So that's good news. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. And that's great news. Uh, it means that, you know, they have the potential to become threatened at some point. Like, they're essentially, people are paying attention to them and attention to their numbers and their status, but they're, it, they're not in such dire straits that we have to, you know, take action yeah. and do something to help protect them. So they're doing pretty well on their own, and, and okay. it makes sense. They, they really do fill their niche really, really well. Um, some of the threats Can that I they face, however, stop you. Can I yeah, stop you? we have said niche a lot, and I just don't know Ooh. if we ever like, like, uh, what's the word? <laughs> said what it? it meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why don't you do that then? Okay. So animals uh, are adapted for a niche, specific niches, and this is their. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> It's just their okay. niche, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> that means nothing. <laughs> I know. You can't use a word to describe a word. If I Google it, it says a shallow recess. <laughs> just oh. not, not what it is. Oh, okay. It's ecological niche. Okay. So the ecological niche is what animals fit into, and it is their specific environmental condition. Most animals adapt for their niche, so they fit in it perfectly. Um you're not going to adapt to, like, a tropical rainforest if you live in fucking Egypt. You're going to adapt to, like, a <laughs> desert. And you're adapting to what's right. there. Darwin, when he did the canaries, oh, the birds, the yeah, birdie birds. that guy. They, the different birds, adapted differently depending on what their diet was. So they had big beaks if they needed to dig into bark. And they had tiny beaks, tiny stiff beaks, if they were just, like, eating beetles and shit. So... Animals are adapting to these specific environmental things where they're living, where they're sleeping, where they're eating. Right. That make any fucking sense at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, you can goddamn Google it. Like, why? We're not Google. You fucking Google it. (laughs) The internet exists, my dudes. Yeah. Here to point the way. For fucking sure. We're just spreading the good, good word. Here, 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 here. Here's the definition. Google.com. N-I-C-H-E. Enter. <laughs> Uh-oh. Too easy. <laughs> okay, sorry. Interrupt. I just don't no, want to use big words. Okay. I mean, they're not big, but like, you know, it's our like day-to-day talk, but I don't know. No, yeah, that's really helpful. I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, so they're generally classified as least concern. However... They do still face some threats in the wild. The main one, like you talked about, Flora, was collection for the pet trade, the exotic pet trade. Yeah. As well as hunting for uh, the use of their skin. Shut Snake up. skin, as I'm sure oh, you all know. Yeah. Yeah. People um, tend to use exotic animal skins as a sign of 
privilege and wealth and power and things like that. So a lot of products that use animal products are geared toward that audience, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately they come at the cost of these animals, which isn't so great. And I think we talked about that a little bit last time as well, Yeah. uh, that using animal products like that for for like status symbols, it's just, it's not really the best way to go, uh, especially when it directly threatens that animal in their natural habitat. There's just so many alternatives to doing that sort of thing. Now, we kind of enter a gray area here of, I guess, the line between what animals are acceptable to have as pets and what animals are not. For sure. Uh, So generally speaking, boas do really, really well in captivity. So that's why you see a lot of boas in habitats in zoos. They tend to do very, very well in zoo populations. But also, you, probably everyone listening knows at least one person who's had a boa as a pet, right? And unfortunately, I think a lot of times when people enter into that conversation and they look at getting a pet boa, they might, like you said, they, they just kind of assume that they're going to stay the same size yeah. as the tank that they purchased them in. And there isn't as much research done on their part into how to properly handle a snake. So that's the one thing that if you do decide or you know someone who is looking at getting a boa, please encourage them to A, purchase one from a reputable source. Absolutely. Uh, make sure that they, they're not, you know, they've been over many, 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 many generations bred by a reputable breeder in a ca- captivity setting. The reason being that snakes that are directly pulled from the wilds, if you find a snake in your backyard and you decide to keep it, a lot of times those guys are going to react a lot differently than snakes that have lived around humans for many, many generations. They totally Uh, habituate to, like, feeding and handling and stuff, but that wild mofo you picked up in your backyard is going to hate your guts. (laughs) He's going to whip his body around and scream. (laughs) Yeah, he fucking hates Uh, you. uh, It's just one thing to keep in mind. I'm not discouraging anyone from having a boa as a pet. I think they're actually yeah. a, a really good pet if you're looking for kind of an exotic pet. They're a really good alternative to yes. other exotic pets. Yeah, for sure. later, Fawn and I are going to discourage some exotic pets. But yes. not this guy. You get yeah, a this free guy's actually on this guy. Yeah, this guy is actually kind of unique in the sense that like it's a, it's a good option as long as you're up to giving him the proper diet, uh, yeah. handling them the proper way, giving yeah. them enough enough space for them to live and really addressing those heat and humidity requirements that they require. for sure. That they require. That was redundant. (laughs) So anyways, one more thing that I wanted to mention concerning their their IUCN status is boas are listed, most of the subspecies of boas, I should say, are listed under the CITES Appendix 2 or the CITES Appendix 2. This specifically exists as a classification tied in with the endangerment of animals, and it exists to classify those animals that are used for the trading and purchasing of goods that come from those animals. So there are three different appendices that fall under this, and according to how endangered or threatened that animal is and how in high demand the products from that animal is, they're classified in one of those three appendices. Boas are listed under Appendix 2. Uh, most spe- subspecies of boas are under Appendix 2, which uh, basically just means that while this animal would likely face threats to its species, if there's not regulation pre- uh, present, right now they're kind of doing okay. So the species isn't necessarily threatened currently with extinction, okay. but the trade of the products of them, whether that be having them for pets, yep. using uh, hunting them for meat, using their skin, anything like that, um, the trade of those products must be controlled in a 
in an overseen area to avoid us using them so much that they become endangered. Does that make sense? Like, we're not fucking them up and stealing them all. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And, like, driving them to hey, uh, endangerment. it means stop humans from fucking ruining another thing. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. So I wanted to compare this to Appendix 1, which are species that are currently threatened with extinction. So the trade in those types of species is only permitted in extremely exceptional circumstances. So in Appendix 1, you're going to have things like tigers, you're going to have things like elephants, you're going to have things like rhinos, like all of those animals that are unfortunately being poached at a ridiculous rate yeah. for their products. Those guys are Appendix 1. Appendix 2 tends to be the animals that, if we're not careful, they could be in serious trouble. Yeah. So it's good that this exists because it allows all of us to make sure we're not, like you said, we're not messing up their damn lives. Yeah. God damn. A lot of good, like, reflection. Like, I feel like we need to be held accountable and, like, reflect on what we're doing and what we're taking from the wild all the time. So I just wanted to close out this conversation about boas with a shout out to san diego zoo what what these guys first off i would just like to say they had a really comprehensive fact sheet on their website about dope. boas dope, dope. Uh, so if you want to learn more i would really recommend going there it was really fascinating uh but on top of that they also have boas that serve as animal ambassadors which Love means that, that they're able to use them in education programs and they're comfortable and habituated to human handling and presence. So it's a great opportunity to actually have a hands-on experience out in the public for people to interact with these types of exotic animals, learn about them, and fall in love with them, which is amazing. Yes. So they are able to use their animal ambassadors and that, or their boas as animal ambassadors in that regards. And their most famous guy, I hope I say this correctly, Manha or Manja? I don't know. It's M-A-N-J-A. Okay. And they said that he's the man. He's like their best one. He's a Madagascar ground boa. He was born in 1996. And he's nearly, right now he's nearly 20 pounds. So he's a little guy. But he's six feet long. Right? Yeah. He's a legal age. (laughs) Uh, Yes. That boy knows. Uh, But he's really, really cool. Not just because he's an animal ambassador for his species, but because he's only one of 32 Madagascar ground boas living in the U.S. Whoa. And he's the only one of that subspecies that works as an ambassador. Whoa. Boy, so got he's a just job? Like repping he his a brand. <laughs> I know. He's he bought a house? <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, but beyond that, though, they do have two other boa ambassadors. Uh, Rosie, who's a Rosie boa. Perfect uh, name. I love she Rosie boas. She was born boas. in 1962. Fuck, that bitch old! I know, Rosie's killing it. And then they have another girl, Ruby, who's a red tail boa, born in 2003. So, well done, San Diego. Props to you. That's amazing. Shit. Is that, I think we're, we're like way over time. Like, this is a long one. And maybe that's how they end up being, is like, the sure. first episode was frantic. I was so sure. excited about Aardvarks. I could I not know. contain myself. I bet Fauna's episodes are going to be like, this is what's up. You're going to learn so much. My episodes are going to be ridiculous you're gonna learn nothing you're gonna come away and be like all i heard her say was the word fuck for 30 minutes and fathers are gonna be so good that was so informative i loved it oh i'm so glad you liked it cool yeah no i think that's about it i guess the only other thing that i was gonna say and maybe how about we save this for our instagram but uh we're gonna go ahead and post some uh popular (gasps) boas in media 
so that maybe you yeah, guys can Yeah, that's so good. Like, that's so good. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, so keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll include more, like, information and stuff on that Instagram. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we hope that you, like, learned, I don't know, like, at least one thing and had a fun dope ass yeah time. i did <laughs> feel free to check out the instagram i mentioned earlier the keeper underscore chat so there'll be pictures like fun just said up in just a little bit and that's the end of this and next week i will be back with the next letter of the internet Hell yeah can't wait okay bye smell you later ah!